Behold, I am the Lord your God, and you have come into my house, and I have met you here, and I am here so that you might know and believe and understand that I am he. I am the one who redeems you. I am the one who heals you. I am the one who saves you. I am the one who delivers you. I am the one who created you. And I am the one that loves you with an everlasting love. And I am the one who draws you by my goodness and by my kindness. And I am here so that you might know and believe and understand that I am he. Know me, understand me, and love me with all of your heart, and I will prove myself and show myself strong on your behalf. In the name of Jesus. Every praise is to our God, every word of worship in one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God. Yeah. Every word of worship in one accord.
he is worthy to be praised at all times. Let us thank him for what he has been doing this morning. He is ministering to us already. And I look forward to the preaching. This is the time where we take our tithing. And afterwards, all classes will be dismissed. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we bring our tithes to you as an act of obedience towards you this morning. And in return, we know that you will continue to feed your flock, my Lord. We shall stand on your promises in Jesus' name. Let us give unto the Lord. Our classes are dismissed. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship is one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship is one accord. Every praise. Every praise is to our God. Let's keep singing it. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise. Every praise is to our God. Sing it again. Every praise. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship is one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. One more time. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship is one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Let's go ahead and give him some praise. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have a Bible, I would like you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 4. We're going to be getting into this in just a moment, but uh, Pastor Brown, in our uh, prayer before service, alluded to what I am going to be preaching about today. But let me, before I begin to read the scriptures, tell you that we're really good at doing churchy stuff. We're really good at doing churchy stuff. You want me to explain that, don't you? We do Sunday school, and we do youth services, and we do prayer meetings, and we do fellowship dinners, and we do this, and we do that. And none of those things are bad. I want to make sure you understand none of those things are bad. But I think sometimes we replace what the actual mission of the church is with busyness. And we think we're doing the God a favor, and we think we're doing the world a favor when we're really not. I'm not saying we stop any of these things. What I'm saying is there is a real mission of the church that if we focus on that, everything else will take care of itself. I think over time we begin to lose the pur purpose and the passion of God. That's all right. I didn't expect to make any friends this morning, so let's read the Word. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Now, 
Let me give you a little background. So he had gone away for fasting and prayer. And he has returned. So Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. From this portion of Scripture, I want to preach using this title, Understanding the Real Mission understanding the real mission. Lord Jesus, touch us. Thank you for those that are listening online and for those that are here in the sanctuary and for what you've already done. Lord, I believe that our church put into practice what I'm going to be preaching even before I begin to preach the word this morning. And so I thank you for that. You directed that, Lord. You brought that to come to pass, and I want to thank you for that. Bless this message. Bless those that hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And so I I preface my remarks by saying we're really good at doing churchy stuff. And let me remind you that the portion of Scripture we just read was, uh, was right after Jesus had prayed and fasted for 40 days, and he returned uh, to Galilee. And it was his custom on the Sabbath day to go to the temple. They gave him the book of Isaiah. And he read about his mission, the mission of the Messiah. They didn't realize, maybe at that moment, or many, excuse me, did not realize, excuse me, that he was the Messiah. But I'm going to break it down. But before I do that, I want to read Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. We believe that was his mission, correct? He tells us himself that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we believe that Jesus' mission is to seek and to save the lost. I think we can agree on that. In the Bible, he tells us about, uh, he he tells us some parables, but a few of those parables, he tells us about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. In the parable of the lost sheep, He says that the shepherd leaves the 99 with people who can care for them while he goes out and searches for that one lost sheep. We know that the Bible shows us that he shed his blood for our salvation. We look carefully and we can can ask a few questions this morning. That's what I'm going to try to do. So who was Jesus talking to when he mentioned the sheep? The lost sheep in that context in Luke chapter 15. Many times we think that he was talking about lost people in general. However, that concept is wrong because I want to show you something. The sheep were not lost people. The sheep were saved people in the church. All right, you need to get that before you go on any further. 
They weren't lost people out in the wilderness. Now, that one lost sheep was wandering. But the 100 sheep were not lost. They were church people. They were sanctified people. They were Holy Ghost-filled people. They were baptized in Jesus' name people. Amen? The sheep were saved church people. That one lost sheep, or we can really look at it like this, that wandering sheep, whether, whether he was lost or in the process of being lost, the shepherd, the preacher, the saint, left the others in the care of capable people so that they could still be watched, and he went out to search or to minister to that one wandering sheep. Everybody getting that so far? But what if reaching the lost really wasn't Jesus' primary focus? Now, I just lost some of you. I want you to think about this. What if reaching the lost was not Jesus' primary focus? What if there was more, and I believe there was more? Now, I'm not diminishing the fact that he came to seek and save the lost. I'm not taking that away. I'm not diminishing the fact that all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents, and that is a fact. But I've been thinking about Jesus' time here on earth and his earthly ministry, and I believe it tells a little bit of a different story if we will focus on to it or focus in it. It doesn't take away from the salvation message or his mission at all. But I want you to hear some things this morning. When Jesus sent his disciples out, what did he tell them to do? Look in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. He says to them, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But then he says, verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. So what is he saying? The first thing he tells his disciples is, heal the sick. Then he tells them, cleanse the lepers. But he doesn't stop there. He says, raise the dead. And he tells them to cast out devils. But then we translate that that we've got to have children's church and we've got to have Sunday school and we've got to have youth class and we've got to have this and we've got to have that. And again, I'm not per putting any of that stuff down, but what I'm saying is the marching orders uh, that Jesus gave the church uh, is that we would go out and reach the world and in reaching the world, uh, we're healing the sick, we're cleansing the lepers, we're raising the dead, uh, we're doing the work of God. What I'm trying to say is this, uh, what if the master of salvation preached in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 uh, is more than we realize uh, What and I believe in that I believe it brother Brown, Pastor Brown I believe it with all of my heart uh, I believe that we need to baptize in Jesus name uh, and that we need to receive the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues uh, but I wonder if we've camped out there so long uh, that we forgot the mission of the church uh, and the mission of the church uh, is not only to preach the gospel but it's to heal the 
sick and to cleanse the lepers and to raise the dead if we will focus on the ministry that Jesus had and did and what he told us to do it will revolutionize the church and it will be a an explosion of revival because we're doing what Jesus told us to do could you clap your hands to the Lord I want you to hear this this morning. Out of the record, the 37 recorded miracles of Jesus, 28 of them were miracles of healing. Did you hear what this preacher is saying? Out of the 37 recorded miracles of Jesus, 28 of them were miracles of healing, and nine were other miracles. We need to let that sink in. With that in mind, let's look at Luke chapter 4 again, verse 18. He says, this is talking about himself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's talking about himself. Uh, he's talking about his ministry. He hath, he, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, uh, the, recover, the recovering of sight to the blind, uh, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Number one, one, uh, he says, I am sent uh, to preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, uh, I am here to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, number three, I am here to bring deliverance to those that are captive. Uh, number four, I am here to help those that are blind uh, receive their sight. Uh, and number five, I'm here to set at liberty them that are bruised. Uh, let me tell the church uh, that we have come here this morning uh, and there are blind people here and there are bruised people here and there are people that need healing here and if all we do is preach fluffy sermons all the time and don't minister to the needs of the body of Christ and the world in itself then we are missing it all together four of the things in fact I believe even five of the things or the, the things that Jesus was talking about here were all miracles of healing We need to start recognizing in the body of Christ uh, that people come to the house of God and they are broken and they are hurting uh, and they are desperate for somebody to put a hand on their shoulder and to cry with them and to weep with them and to lift up and hold up their arms. Instead, uh, we look at them and we put our hand on their forehead and say, God bless you, go your way. When God says no, sometimes we just need to wrap our arms uh, of love and compassion around people amen everybody here is hurting in one way or another i want that to sink in everybody in this house is hurting in one way or another and we are missing it all together if we do not recognize that all right i thought it would get quiet right about now everybody that comes through these doors but listen when we talk about reaching our world and if we will translate, God help me to say this the right way. We, we have to preach the gospel. We have to preach the truth. We have to preach Acts 2.38. But if we will somehow translate that to ministering to people where they're at and the needs that they have that are true and genuine, it will transform our mind and our ministries so that we will reach our world by healing them. 
Now, some of you might say, well, I'm not a preacher, so I can't heal anybody. Well, I can't, I'm, I'm a preacher, and I can't heal anybody either. Y'all got that, right? I can't do nothing. All I can do is pray. All I can do is try to encourage. So every one of us is a minister of healing. I'm going to try to get into that in a little bit more. But what I'm saying is we have got to get out of this churchy mindset that doing stuff is doing the work. We need to understand the real mission of the church. And the real mission of the church, by the example of Jesus, is to help people have miracles in their lives. Number one, preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, heal the brokenhearted. Just about everybody that comes through the church doors has got a broken heart in one form or fashion. Deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty so the, them that are bruised. So, so there are five mandates. So hear this. If our preaching the truth, the gospel... If we fail to recognize the need for healing and helping broken people, then we have failed. So we want to preach the truth. We want to preach the gospel. But if we fail to recognize where the rubber meets the road, where people really are with what they're going through, then we have failed the mission of the church. But more than that, if we as Christians... Realize that we, or every one of us, are ministers of healing. Then something powerful is going to happen. Not only in our church, but in the world. When we minister healing to people in their daily lives. If we stop trying to debate scripture and personal beliefs and start ministering healing to people then miracles are going to happen amongst us. And after we minister to people, after they hear the truth, see, what I'm saying is this, when we minister healing to people, then they'll hear the truth. We think get Acts 2.38 in there. Maybe nothing wrong with that. But what if all they need is somebody to say, you know what, I've been seeing... Talking to somebody at work, I've been seeing the, the other day. I saw you walk down the hallway, and there were some tears in their eyes. Can I help you? What's going on in your life? We've got to stop trying to cram the gospel down people's throat and offer them healing. Now that sounds backwards coming from a preacher, but I want to tell you something. This is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus ministered healing to them, then he preached the truth to them. We get the cart before the horse, and we think, preach the truth. Get the truth out there. Cram it down their throat. Shove it down their throat. Hey, I am a believer of truth, but I also know that many people are not open to the truth until they've been healed, until God has done something for them. Because most people aren't even realizing that God is real, that God is true, that God is almighty, that he can do anything because they're so close to it because how hurting they are. Because, by the way, how could a loving God let me suffer like this? 
You can hear the wind blow outside. That doesn't mean that our mandate has changed. Now, now listen, after we minister to people, they're going to heal the truth. But I want, I want you to understand something. And I'm not against opening shelters and soup kitchens and all of that. You know, there's a place for that. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm trying to say is that we need to, we need to minister. We need to be ministers of healing, every single one of us. You say, well, I don't really have the opportunity. If you open your eyes, you will. If you open your ears, you will. You're standing by somebody at the, at the break table at work, and you just hear they say, oh, my parents just got divorced or my sister's got cancer. That's, a, that's an opportunity for you to minister healing. Don't ignore things like that. When we talk about ministering healing, I'm not talking about just ministering healing here. I'm talking about both here and out there. I'm talking about how that when we become ministers of healing, when we offer what God has done for us to other people, did you hear me? When we offer what God has done for us to other people, when we share what God has done for us to other people, then we become ministers of healing. But we get sidetracked by the things that hinder our mission. Our mandate as a church is to see people, broken people, and minister healing to them. That's our mandate. And that's scripture. Look at what James says in James chapter 2, starting verse 15. He says, if a brother, somebody say brother, or a sister, say sister, be naked. By the way, let me back up. If a brother, that means your brother in the Lord. Or a sister, your sister in the Lord. Now, it's not just defined only to that. I believe it's defined to anybody. But it starts there. It starts with the family. All right. I'm going to irritate some of you before this day is out. I guarantee you. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Somebody's pouring their heart out to you, and you say, Well, God bless you, my friend. Just be warmed and be healed. Everything's going to be okay. You pat their nappy little head, and you just say, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. But then you don't minister to the need. Notwithstanding, you give them not the things which are needful for the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So somebody comes to you and says, you know what? I've got this devastating situation going on in, in, in my life. I've got this circumstance. I, I, I'm, I'm over my head financially. I'm this. I'm that. And we look at them and say, well, the Lord bless you. Everything's going to be all right. But we forget about the fact we've got 20 coats in our closet and they need one. 
and we got 50 million shoes. I don't, I got like four, right? But, and I'm not talking about that it's bad to have shoes and this and that. But if you have 50 pairs of shoes and somebody has none, I think you can do without a pair. If you got money in the bank and they have none, oh, don't go there, preacher. Don't go there, brother Tryon. Yeah, I'm going there. If you got money in the bank and they have none uh, and they don't have groceries, what's wrong with buying somebody some groceries? Uh, what's wrong with doing something for somebody that's real, that's ministering healing to people? I'm not saying drain your bank account. Uh, what I'm saying is what God has blessed you with is not just for you, it's for somebody else as well. What God has given you is not just for you as for somebody else as well. God has saved you. You are out of the pits of hell and the clutches of the devil and God has given you a liberty and you need to use it for the kingdom of God's sake. Now let's go a little deeper in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and I'm going to read this scripture several times. The spirit, this is the Lord again speaking, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and has, has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. So we preach to the poor, we heal brokenhearted, we deliver the captives, we recover the sight or help to recover the sight of the blind and we set at liberty those that are bruised. What he is saying is this. He has anointed me. He is saying that I have been designed, I have been set apart to my sole business is. That's what he's saying. When he says he hath anointed me, he's saying this is what I'm designed for. This is what I am set apart for. And this is the business that I am supposed to accomplish. God has anointed me, or I have been anointed to do these things. And then he goes through his list. And the first thing is to heal the brokenhearted. In Proverbs 18, 14, it says, The spirit of man will, will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear there are people that come across your steps, across your path every single day that are a wounded spirit. They're, they have been wounded by family. They have been wounded by friends. They have been wounded by work. They have been wounded by just about anything and everything. And just because they cross a call, go across your path doesn't mean you just tap their little nappy head and say, the Lord bless you. It means that you your, your purpose in life the reason that you are here, the reason that you are a part of the church, the reason that God saved you, the reason that God lifted you, the reason God anointed you, the reason God reached down and pulled you out of the pit of hell is so that you can minister to somebody else. we got to stop being so selfish with the gospel. We've got to stop being so selfish with healing. We've got to stop being so selfish with miracles. Thank God you had your miracle, but somebody Somebody else needs their miracle. Thank God you've got your salvation, but somebody else needs theirs. Honestly, I don't want to go to heaven and not have anybody else that I brought with me. 
when I get to heaven and I look around uh, and I will see nobody that I ministered to, nobody that I tried to heal, nobody that I tried to touch their life, uh, I will have failed. Oh, God, help us. We are here to heal the brokenhearted. God has given you an anointing upon your life. The moment he filled you with his spirit, he has anointed you and he has empowered you to heal the brokenhearted. So can I ask you this morning, who are you working with right now that you are, you are trying to encourage and lift up and strengthen? Who is it? Who's that broken heart that you need to purpose in your life to Go get them for Jesus. I want you to hear this. Just because someone is saved, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean that their heart was healed at the same time. God help us this morning. I want God to stir us up. I want God to change us. Just because somebody, pastor asked me to say it, I'm going to say it again. Amen. Just because someone is saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean that their heart was healed at the same time. Some of those wounds are going to take years and maybe never be fully overcome. But we've got to come behind them and lift up hands and say, listen, brother, listen, sister, listen, my friend. I know you were wounded. I know you were abused as a child. I knew that you had this situation happen in your life and I just want you to know if there's somebody you need to talk to here's my cell phone number call me if you need me to pray with you let's pray if we need to go out for a coffee let's go out for a coffee because I'm here for you Uh, I'm here to make sure that whatever healing you need I can be a part of the process Uh, but then off times and I I don't have this in my notes uh, we often we often reverse the process because we look at people and say oh it's been 20 years since that happened you shouldn't feel shame anymore oh it's been five years since that happened you should be over it by now get a life we say things like that and we hurt people and wound people instead of lifting them up we need to look at them and realize they are not me I am not them but they're a child of God and God has sent me to heal them Jesus, help us. You can be saved and have a broken heart and a wounded spirit still. We, we the church, we need to understand that, that our work doesn't stop the minute somebody speaks in tongues. You know, I see it too often. We pray with somebody. Somebody's down in the altar. And you know this is true. We lay hands on them. They start speaking in tongues, and we hang around for about five seconds. Our work is done. We go to somebody else. Is that true or not? Our work hasn't even begun yet. They got the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. God's doing a miracle in their life. And I'm not saying we just have to stay there. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the work has just started. Now they've got to be discipled. Now they've got to learn the word. Now they've got to be encouraged. Now they've got to be lifted up. Now they have to be trained and taught. Just because they got the Holy Ghost, we think, cha-ching, everything has happened. And, and, and don't take this wrong, and I hope the, wrong, the, the people that do this don't get this message, but uh, 
you, you know, I, I see pe- people post pictures on Facebook and they got the, the logo and the banner of their church and they, they, somebody just got baptized today so they put them up in front of the p- banner and they take their picture and they send it out on Facebook or, 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 or they got another banner that says they received the Holy Ghost and they take their picture and send it out on Facebook almost like the job is done. It's not done. I'm glad we can celebrate and I'm glad we can, uh, we can honor miracles uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but if all we get in the mindset uh, is to show other people what our church has done, then something is wrong. Uh, it's not what our church has done. It's what God has done. That wasn't in my notes. That one was free. We, there are broken people. So we need to understand that our work doesn't stop when somebody speaks in tongues. Our job isn't done. It's just started. We need to begin to mentor and things. I mentioned that. The next thing we are called to do is to, to bring deliverance to the captives. The word for captives means prisoners of war. They are prisoners of war. So those who are captured are prisoners of war. So how can we translate that into our mission? There are people who have been captive to sin and to drugs and alcohol, broken families and molestation and all kinds of horrific things. Our mandate is to free the prisoners of war. The next thing that we are asked to do is to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Not only those that are physically blind, but those that are mentally blind. Because there are people in our world that simply do not believe that God could ever love them. They are bound. And we need to be ministers of healing. And to open their eyes to the miraculous hand of God. These people are in a confused state. They are unable to grasp reality. We can consider our mission to recover the sight of those who are deceived and unable to grasp truth. The next thing we are asked to do is to set at liberty those that are bruised. The word bruised there means crushed and shattered. How many of you have ever had a nasty bruise? I remember one time as a kid, we were, we were playing football on ice. It was, a, it was a school, the, the school parking lot was all frozen over and iced over. And we were playing football, tackle football on the ice. Not one of the most brilliant things we did. And I, I remember as I'm running with the football or trying to run with the football and my, my sneakers are skidding underneath me and I'm trying to run and I'm peeling out and all of a sudden some big old guy comes and tackles me and I go down on that ice and I hit my arm. And at the moment, I didn't recognize that. But when we went back into the classroom, and I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling my arm going like, that thing hurts. It's all swollen. 
and I, I remember taking my elbow and putting it on the uh, on my desk, and and I could not straighten my arm out. It was literally up like this. It was swollen. All, it was swollen all underneath. I looked down. I said, "Oh, that doesn't look right. That's not normal." And so I, I you know smart me I, I go up to the teacher and i say i think i need to go to the nurse's office look at this she looked at my arm she grabs my other healthy arm and runs me down to the nurse's station and, and, and i walk in the nurse looks at it and says i think your arm's broken well i ended up going for x-rays and all of that my arm was not broken it was bruised but the doctor said this i remember it distinctly he said, many times when you get a bruise like that that actually bruises the bone, does not break it, it's worse than a broken bone. That stuck in my brain. There are people in our world that are bruised. And we should be ministers of healing. They're bruised and crushed by shame and sin. When we fail to see those who are shattered and bruised, we fail to acknowledge the destructiveness of sin and life without God. We need to look around, not just here in this room, but where we work. How many people are crushed? How many people are going through things? How can we help them? We need to be alert and open. And we as a church need to, need to constantly have our eyes open to the needs that are around us. There are people in our church that are bruised that come to God like that. And we are ministers of healing. You see, we are to help people to pass from sickness to health, from slavery to liberty, from darkness to light, and from misery to happiness. Notice this. Jesus condemned people for walking by an injured man and not stopping to help him. Now, I, I'm going to talk about something for just a minute. I'm going to get into Matthew chapter 25 here in, in just a moment. But I want to promote something called a three around. Look at your neighbor and say, three around. Three around. Okay? Many of you are looking at me like, okay, what is that? Okay, so if every time we come to church and or every time we go to work, we have in the back of our mind three around, that means my job today is to minister to three people. A three around. So my job is to look for and to listen for the needs of at least three people around me. And when I come to the house of God with my hefty Bible in hand, and I come all sanctified and all ready to worship God, when I come to God's house, my job is to connect with three people. Not just walk in with my Bible and set it down and I've got my offering in my pocket and I'm going to give it and I come in, I don't talk to somebody. I go out, I don't talk to somebody. Oh, we do the Pentecostal nod. We do the sanctified handshakes. 
And every once in a while, we even give somebody a wink. And we have totally done our job for the day. But we haven't touched anybody. My Bible tells me about unity. In fact, my Bible tells me that the opposite of unity is witchcraft. Wow, you didn't want to chew on that this morning. The opposite of unity is witchcraft. And so if we don't do unity, we're doing witchcraft. You need me to explain that to you later. I'll explain it to you, okay? But what I'm trying to tell you is it is our mission to touch people's lives. And so when I come to church Sunday morning, I need to touch at least three people. I need to say, sister, you know what? It has been so good to see you. You have been coming to the house of God for a long time now, and I love to see your smile. I just love to see you come to the church. You bring so much joy to me and to others. I'm touching somebody. It's not fake. It's, it's real. And what happens is people wander out of the church because they haven't been touched for so long. They just vanish into the fabric somewhere because we think we're doing our job. We come and we sing Amazing Grace and we run around the church maybe once every four or five years and we, we worship God and we're doing all the stuff the church is supposed to do but we forget about every single person in the church is the church. This is a building. When the rapture happens, it's going to be empty. All it is is chairs and carpet and walls and stuff like that. This is not the church. You are the church. And so when we come, uh, we ought to think about three around. Uh, who can I touch today? I am going to come to the house of God, uh, and I'm going to minister to three people, no less. I'm going to touch the lives of three people. When I go to work Monday morning, I'm going to encourage somebody. I'm going to smile at somebody. I'm going to look at somebody and say, you know what? You've been down lately, and I just want you to know that I am here if you ever need to talk. A three around wherever we go. Somebody says, well, I can't really do that at the grocery store because I'm trying to get my potato chips and my onions and my tomatoes and my this and my that, and I'm just too busy. Well, listen, I'm, I'm just saying in a general principle, we should have it in the back of our mind uh, that God has put me on this earth. Uh, the reason my feet are here, the reason that there's air in my lungs uh, is because I am not here to just occupy a pew uh, or to say I'm sanctified or to somehow sign my name to a book and say that I'm a Christian. A Christian is somebody who has been impacted by the gospel, who is also trying to impact their world. And so although we have been impacted by the gospel, are we impacting our world? Somebody say, stop meddling, Brother Tryon. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 7. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord... When saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? 
And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. We talk about ministering to God. You know how you minister to God? You minister to his creation. Did you get that or do I need to say that again? You minister to his creation. And his creation is the person that's sitting in front of you, beside you, on the other side of the church. And let me go ahead and say this. And again, I've already stepped on toes, and I don't care how many toes I step on this morning. But if there's somebody over here that you can't go over there to see, and somebody over there that you can't go over here to see, if there's somebody that is black and you don't like them, or white and you don't like them, uh, then I venture to put it out like this. Uh, I wonder if you're truly going to make it to heaven. Because if you can't worship with, uh, and if you can't fellowship with uh, somebody that's on the other side of the church uh, because they offended you 28 years ago, get over it. Grow up. I think I need to say that again. Get over it. You say, they wounded me. Yeah. You know what? Your mom wounded you too. And your dad wounded you. And your literal brother and your literal sister wounded you too. And your boss wounded you. But you didn't quit because you still needed a paycheck. Sounds a little hypocritical to me. What I'm trying to say is we are ministers of healing. So if there's somebody that you can't shake their hand, you better get out uh, get out of your flesh, get out of whatever that bad spirit is in you, and you ought to walk across the aisle to them, shake their hand, hug their neck, uh, and say, listen, uh, I've harbored this guilt, uh, I've harbored this pain, uh, I've harbored this anger against you, and I apologize to you. You say, well, they're the ones that did it wrong, uh, but you're the one, my friend, that is harboring the bitterness and is hurting you more than is hurting them because they might not even realize that they hurt you. And you've been chewing on that thing for so long that you're wearing your teeth down to nubs. Get over it. Lord Jesus. Verily I say unto you, and so much as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. So if you want to minister unto the Lord, minister unto his body. Minister to the people that you work with every day. God, help us if we fail to see the needs of people amongst us. Oh, Lord, in Jesus' name. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. I can't get away from that portion of the verse, uh, and it bothers me. It's been bothering me for weeks now. Jesus, now listen to this. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And so... The righteous or the religious people whose duty it was to minister to the injured man shirked their responsibilities. I know I'm not reading the verse. But I want to add to the story. It's likely that that injured man was a Jew. And so Jewish people who are supposed to help their brothers in the Lord 
would walk by him and not help. So let's put it like this. Christian people who can't help their fellow Christian brother or sister and walk right by, wagging their head, and we say things like, well, you shouldn't have got yourself into that circumstance. Or maybe you should have thought before you jumped and did that thing. We're really good at criticizing, but not really good at healing. We ought to flip that around and stop criticizing and start healing. By the way, you've made mistakes too. Hello? Y'all there? You've made mistakes too. And so somebody made a mistake. Don't condemn them to hell because they made a mistake. Come alongside of them and grab, grab their hand and lift it up in the air and say, you are my brother. You are my sister. I'm not going to see you walk away from God. Lord, in Jesus' name, God is grieved by our lack of compassion and mercy. Did you hear me? God is grieved by our lack of compassion and mercy. The Bible asks us, if we are we our brother's keeper? The answer is yes. We talk about an end-time harvest, and I believe it's going to happen, and I'm trying to rush. We talk about an end-time harvest. I believe it's going to happen. But let's never forget that we need revival also. Revival is for the church. Harvest is for the world. Did you hear it? Revival is for the church. Harvest is for the world. So we need revival, yes, but we also need harvest. We can't do one without the other. If we're seeking for harvest without revival, then we're getting the cart before the horse. Uh, Amen. We've got to have revival. That means there needs to be healing in God's house. Uh, There needs to be healing amongst us. Uh, And if we are healed here, then we will be healed out there. If we are ministered to here, then there will be ministry out there. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Some people right there when I read that said, but I have a cause. Well, anyhow. That whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. But whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So the word raka means empty and worthless. If you say to your brother or your sister that you are empty, you are worthless, raka. What you are saying is you don't bring anything to the table. You don't bring anything that benefits me. Are you hearing me? And because you are not bringing something to me, because you are not adding to my life, then it's okay to say you are empty and you are worthless. But there isn't a person in the world that is empty and worthless. Did you hear me? Everybody is worth something. And it's likely that they're worth a lot more than you realize because you just don't see their value. You say they're too young. They're too old. 
You say they're this and they're that. But you don't see their heart. You don't see how God can use them. We look at them as wounded and say they're unredeemable. But God says that I have been wounded for their healing. And the stripes that are upon my back are for their health. And so when we realize that, you know what? We, we are such selfish people. We look at others sometimes and just say, well, you know what? They're not quite in my class of people. So I'm going to let somebody lower than me fellowship with them. Now, ain't that hypocritical? Since when can we ever look at somebody as being lower than us? I realize today that I'm the lowest amongst us, and I am not worthy of preaching his word this morning. But I know that there's a Redeemer that loves me. There is a God that loves me and cares for me. And he, he was the one, when I was literally worthless, he reached down to save me. When I couldn't benefit the kingdom of God and I couldn't benefit you, my brothers or sisters, he reached down and saved me. So we need to understand that God is doing something. Nobody is empty or worthless. How, how, you know, we look at somebody and say, you don't have anything that I can benefit from, that you have no value. It's if we treat them like they have no value. And the Bible says when we do that, we are in danger of judgment because of it. We look at the Word and we see that people tried to keep children from seeing Jesus thinking that they have no value. But Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. They looked at children as of no value, but Jesus says, such is the kingdom of God. In Mark 10, verse 13, it says, and they brought young children unto him. I'm going to read it. That he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked, uh, rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Don't look at a kid as being of little value or no value. Those little kids, they're teaching Sunday school right now. We can look at them and say, well, they're only four years old. They're only three years old. They're only seven years old. They're only 10 years old. But they're going to be 20 years old, and they're going to be 30 years old, and they're going to be 40 years old. And they might be a preacher. They might be a missionary. They might be a doctor or a lawyer. Not every, every one of those children has value, and we are to invest in them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, it says, but now... Now are they many members, but one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Verse 22. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem, notice that word, seemed to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, 
unto those we bestow more abundant honor. But our uncomely parts have no abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given one given more abundant honor to the part which lacketh. I'm going to stop here for just a minute. What happens if you get a cut? If you get a cut, it's going to bleed. The reason it bleeds is to flush out the things that are in there. And when pus and, and, and a, 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 you know, not only pus, but also uh, the, the scab begins, all that is part of the process of healing. Your body is taking care of itself. It's natural. Well, you know what? When there's a wound amongst us, the body, the body ought to do the right thing. And in our physical body, those white blood cells rush to the wounded part because it is trying to minister healing. Well, in the body of Christ, when somebody is wounded, we ought to rush to help them. For our comely parts, uh, let me go on. It says, verse 25, it says, that there should be no schism in the body. You know what? If If your right leg wanted to go that way and your left leg wanted to go that way, there would be an issue. All right, now you're all falling asleep. You all want hamburgers or something. Okay. Let me say it again, all right? I'll slow down. All right, if your right leg goes that way and your left leg goes that way, there's going to be an issue, right? And and so there should be no schism or division amongst the body. We ought to attack division with everything we possibly can because division is not the will of God. It never has been. It never will be. Division is not of God. It's of the devil. And if you are a party to division in the church, uh, then you are not working on the behalf of God. Uh, You are working on behalf of the devil, and you don't even realize it. We need to foster unity amongst us. Uh, We need to foster love amongst us. We need to have a spirit of forgiveness amongst us. Uh, And if we don't do that, then God cannot work. Uh, The body is... designed to heal itself and so we should minister it says i'm going to go back that there should be no schism in the body that the members should have the same care one for another in other words you don't treat this one better than that one because they got money in their account and they don't have money in their account Or this one looks more like me, so I can minister to them. But that one doesn't look like me, so I can't minister to them. What we ought to do is flip that around. And those people that we are maybe a little uncomfortable with, maybe we need to get out of our own skin and go minister to them and realize that, you know what, amen, there are going to be all kinds of people in heaven, people that I might not have liked and people that I didn't like and people I did like and people I loved, but there's going to be all kinds of people in heaven. And what we ought to realize is this, uh, that we have no scriptural evidence uh, or mandate to hate people, but the mandate we have is to love people and to bring them back into a knowledge of God. We should have care one for another. Verse, the next verse says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. 
And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. When's the last time you got a sliver in your big toe? Or you ran your toe underneath the door at night. You get up all sleepy-eyed, and all of a sudden you kick a door, and your toe is going this way, and the rest of your foot is going that way. You know, there's something that happens right about then when you realize, ow, that hurt. You don't just look down at that toe and say, you know what? Get right with God because you are taking a left when you're supposed to be taking a right. You're going to fix it, right? Well, you know what? We need to work at helping one another rather than discouraging one another and condemning one another. You know, I I know this is not the... (laughs) the best message for all of us. We want, to, we want to jump and we want to shout and we want to run. The Bible tells us that there should be no schism. There should be no division in the body. Hear it like this. If all of a sudden your heart stopped, it would be an issue. You want your heart to keep going. Your heart and your lungs work together. You know, there's something unique about that brain that you have. You can just say, say this and do that. You're doing it without even realizing because that brain is commanding everything. And that brain, that brain, you know, it, your, your heart's beating because the brain is telling it to beat. And your lungs are breathing because the brain is telling it. And you're not thinking, oh, I need to breathe. You're not doing any of that, right? It's doing it automatically because your brain is communicating with this body, with the, with the chest and with your hands, and everything you do has that command center, and that command center is doing its job. So I want you to understand that we as the church, uh, we need to rev- revolutionize our thinking about ministering to people. The gospel, when preached successfully, is about ministering to people. Now, you might want to post this on Facebook or Instagram. If we can't love people in the church, we will never love people outside of the church. If we can't love people in the church, we will never love people outside of the church. Would you stand with me this morning? I feel like God is at work amongst us, and I know God is doing a great work. And I want us to realize that God gave us all a ministry of healing. We need to understand our real mission. And yes, I believe in Acts 2:38, repent, be baptized, every one of them in the name, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. But I also know that there's so many people out out there that will not hear that message until somebody comes alongside of them and says, I'll be your friend. In coming weeks, I want you to think about what I said regarding that three around. Every time, in fact, maybe write it as a note in your Bible to remind you. If you don't bring a, a... hardcover, softcover Bible with you, maybe you ought to you know, write it in your notes app in your phone. My job today is to do a three around. When you go to work Monday morning, tell yourself before you open that door to get out of the car, God, I want you, and ask, make it a prayer. 
God, I want you to help me to do a three around today. Help me to touch the lives of three people. Can I ask you to think about something for a minute? Has anybody here just been blessed by somebody because they said the right word at the right time? They encouraged you. Has anybody ever encouraged you? That felt really good, didn't it? Didn't it feel amazing? The last time they gave me, gave me a coffee that I didn't pay for at Dunkin' Donuts, I was like, yes, it made my day. People don't give me stuff. And so when they say, this is on the house, just here, take it, I'm thinking like, what's the hitch? What do you want? <laughs> How many times have you been encouraged by somebody that just said the right word at the right moment? Or maybe they didn't even say a word at all. Maybe they just reached over and grabbed your hand and said, you know what? I just want you to know today that I want to be your friend. I just want you to know today that I'm here for you. If we can do that, I want you to practice it. All right, before you leave this place, I want you to do a three around. Please, everybody, just do a three around. You say, but I'm too shy. I, I, I'm too reserved. Well, if somebody backs into your car at the, at the Walmart parking lot, you're not going to be very reserved. Hello? You're going to get out of yourself for a few minutes and say, why did you do that? I was right here. Open your eyes. Give me your insurance card really quick. Right? We can all get out of our own skin for a little while. We can all get out of our own stubbornness. So before you leave this house, I'm asking you to do me one favor. Do a three around. Just say hi to three people. Just shake the hand of three people or... If you feel led of the Lord to encourage somebody today, don't walk out those doors without doing it. Because the minute you get out those doors, the minute you go out those doors without listening to the voice of God, what's going to happen is that regret is going to come on you. And you're going to think, I failed God today. So I'm asking you not to fail God this morning. Just do a three-around. When you go to work tomorrow, do a three-around. Maybe we can't practice it all the time. I'm going to tell you something. So when I was out at General Conference, I had a guy that I was working with that he was like the nice night shift supervisor. Nice guy. Nicest guy you'd ever meet. And I had some things, you know, the, the, the room situation initially was like, it wasn't working right. Things were just complicated. And so I had emailed, and this guy responded. His name was Octavius. Really cool name. And he responded, and he said, I'm going to take care of you. Well, guess what? When I got to General Conference, 
I didn't just have a regular room. He gave me a suite. It was a sweet suite. I walked in the door and I'm going like, this can't be my room. I walked into a living room. I'm going like, where's the bed? The bed's supposed to be there. There's a couch there and there's a chair over there. Big sliding glass window and the porch. And I walk in, I go like, I look over and the bedroom's over there. There's a window on that side and a window here and a window there and a window there. Have this nice porch. One of the things he said to me was this. He said, you know what? I'm going to put you in a special room. I thought it was maybe instead of a 10 by 10, it was a 12 by 12. (laughs) And Brother Brown, as God is my witness, he said, you know what? On a clear day, you're going to be able to see the fireworks from Disney from your room. Guess what I did the first night? Where's the fireworks? You know what? He didn't have to be good to me like that. That hotel had almost 2,000 rooms and it was full with, you know, if, if every room had two people in it, it had 4,000 people in there. But he thought about me and my needs. And he took me out of a regular room and put me into a suite. Man, I felt special. I felt like I was king of the earth. I felt like I was Bishop Bernard. (laughs) I'm like, wow. But you know what? I could not ignore his kindness. So the first morning I got up, I ran down to the front desk. I said, is Octavius here? Oh, he just left. So the next morning I got up 45 minutes earlier and I ran down to the front desk and I said, is Octavius here? And he came out and I handed him $100 and I I said to him, I want to thank you for treating me so well. You blessed me. And some of you would say, $100? Well, I was there for 10 days. And the normal room was this set price. I'm sure that that room would have cost me at least $150 more a night. So I can spare $100 for somebody that did something nice for somebody. You see what I'm trying to say is... I let him know. He blessed me, and I blessed him. Sister Maggie, God has blessed me a billion times, and I can bless him by blessing his family. And I can bless those people that he has me go get in contact with. So I'm closing the message with this. I want you to practice the three around before you leave this house. But what we're going to do right now, is we're going to do this really quick. I know I've gone long and I apologize. Is if there's anybody in this sanctuary that needs a ministry of healing right now, I'm going to ask you to come up. Pastor Brown is going to come. Our ministers, if you can come.
Before we leave, I want us to be ministers of healing. So if there's something that, whether it's a physical healing, emotional healing, whatever the need might be, let us minister to you today. If you need a word of encouragement, if you just need somebody to tell you, hey, you know what, you really are valuable. And I love you and I appreciate you. I'm glad you're here this morning. Amen. If we could have a few more. Maybe, Brother Al, could you help us come and pray with people, if you don't mind? I don't know if Brother Sam is back there. Brother Sam, could you come up and help pray with people? Brother Valdez, please. What I want you to do is, for this person that's going to pray for you, you can tell them what the need is if you want. You don't have to. But you can tell them the need is if you want, and they will pray for you, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing. Or you just need a word of encouragement. Sister Sister Marie, can you come and help us pray with people, please? Just come alongside somebody and let them know that you are a fellow brother or sister and that you're there for them. You know what? Before you leave this place, some of you might exchange phone numbers so that you could call and talk to each other, encourage each other. Be a minister of healing this morning. The real mission of the church is a mission of healing. The real mission of each and every one of us is to minister healing to someone. Not to discourage, but to lift up and to strengthen. So if there's anyone else that, that needs to come, these ministers are here. But I, I don't want to just stop there. If you're out there in the audience and you feel like that God is asking you to pray for somebody, I want you to go to them right now. If God has asked you or is talking to you about just going over to somebody and shaking their hand and saying, you know what, let's go grab a coffee sometime. I want you to be obedient to that. So before you leave, please do a three around. Sister Melanie, go ahead and lead us in worship.